It's Tuesday, August the 13th, 2013. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, and this is Wes Fryer. This is going to be a lightly edited recording of my presentation today in Velma, Oklahoma. Velma, if you do not know, is about 20 miles to the east of Duncan, Oklahoma, which is about 20 minutes south of Chickasha, Oklahoma, which is about an hour or so to the southwest of Oklahoma City. So this wasn't too far away from my house. And I spent the night in Duncan last night and um, was there in the morning to be with all about 30 pre-K through 12th grade teachers. And the presentation was titled, Welcome to Hogwarts. I did about mm, 13 minutes into the presentation, actually put the recorder around my neck, which helped it to be a little bit better recording level and volume, I think. Uh, but I did forget to turn it back on after we took our break, and then I recorded the end. So you're going to have a little bit of excerpts here, but hopefully it'll give you a, a feel for it. And please refer to the podcast show notes, where I have a link to the slides that I used in the presentation, actually the same slides I used last week in Montana, and also uh, some additional refer- referenced resources that are on a listly list. So without further ado... It's back to Velma, Oklahoma, today on August the 13th, 2013, talking about mapping media to the Common Core, and welcome to Hogwarts. Ah, here we are, professional development again. Kids come tomorrow, right? Anybody want to work in their room right now? Yeah, so here we are. But I am honestly thankful to be here and appreciative to be here to Leslie, and I want to use our time well today. I'm going to start by telling you a story, but first I'm going to tell you that I'm giving you my ebook. I finished my second ebook. How many of you have some kind of an e-reader of some kind, a Kindle or an iPad or something? And if you don't have an e-reader, you can download a free e-reading software program. Kindle has Kindle Reader for PC, for Mac. So I'll give you this code again, but I've created a code. I spelled that right. Didn't I? Okay, good. Because y'all tell me when I'm screwing up because I'm probably going to mess up today. And through Friday at midnight, Central Time, you can download it. It's five bucks, but you can download it for free. And it's going to talk more in depth about what we're going to discuss today, which is mapping media to the common core. All right? I'm going to start with a little story. This is my youngest daughter probably two years ago. And I have three kids. I live in Oklahoma City. And this is Rachel. A year and a half ago, Rachel's principal at Quail Creek Elementary in Oklahoma City Um, Jan Matthews asked me to come talk to the teachers and share some stuff about technology and I was so excited because I have three kids my son's going to be a sophomore and the principal has never before asked me and I of course for free since my kids school come share and so we talked for about 45 minutes after school and you know what happened we scared all the teachers to death because Rachel has been making books and e-books she plays Club Penguin. She's made little screencasts where she teaches about how to be a secret agent on Club Penguin and how to do stuff. And she is savvy and has done a lot. And in 45 minutes, you know, we shared like, I don't know, 10 things. And it was a real failure for me. And it was a, because what I wanted to do was help some of the teachers. Say, I'd love to come help you set up a website where your kids could write. Or I'd love to help your kids record their voices and, and make something. So here's what I learned. This last uh, March, I went to a conference and uh, they gave me an iPad. Actually, they, they paid me with an iPad mini. They gave me a choice. I said, yeah, that sounds great. I'd like that. 
So it wasn't this one. This is an iPad 2, which, by the way, do you all remember hearing about the, I'll mention this in the presentation, I guess, but the Cray supercomputer, have you heard of that, about those? In 1985, the processing power this iPad 2 has is equal to the Cray 2. I just, I didn't, I just learned that. So anyway, uh, I went after school. We, um, I, right before spring break, I went and talked to Mrs. Moore, her teacher, because I had offered a hand, love to help and come share stuff. But I, little did I know, she was really scared. Um, and I showed her this, uh, this little app called Book Creator. And I realized today that there are all kinds of challenges that we have with technology. Um, I realize y'all don't have a cart of iPads and, you know, Internet uh, has challenges and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And we're going to be very practical today. I'm not just going to show you, oh, in two years or five years when all your kids have laptops, here's what you can do. Today we're going to talk about practical things that you could do tomorrow with your students. In fact, we got colored pencils here and paper, and I'm going to show you how to make a paper slide video and how your kids can record and do some stuff. But anyway, Mrs. Moore did not have an iPad. I loaned her an iPad, and I showed her this app called Book Creator. Book Creator <coughs> lets us put in text but also take pictures and record our voice. So this is basically the demo that I gave Mrs. Moore. I said, you go to new book, you pick the size of the book that you want. Actually, I think I messed up already, which will happen, because um, I think the, the book, here, I'm messing up all the time. Um, you can also combine books, by the way. So you can have your kids do different books, and then you can combine them later. Um, but this portrait is the one that she chose. You, you choose the format. You've got to choose the same format. When it starts, it has three pages. Okay, You can add as many pages to this as you want. But when you click the little plus button there in the corner, you choose what to put in. Pictures, take a picture, add text, add sound. So literally, this is the demo. We did this for about... Um, I would say 30 minutes, 20 minutes after after school. So here's our favorite books. So that comes in. I can tap the eye. I can make this larger. I can change the color. You know kids love to do this stuff, right? Oh, yes. Um, I can adjust it. And then I go to the next page. But here's where it gets exciting because I can put in pictures. Now, I can take a picture of something I've drawn. And we're going to do that today. By the way, do you know what kind of a picture this is called? That's called a selfie. Do you have any <laughs> children in your family that like to take selfies? Do you have any children or grandchildren that like to put selfies on Instagram? you had to have a conversation with anybody in your family about what we put on Facebook? or Yeah, my middle daughter turned 13 on June 22nd, and she made her Facebook page the same day. She didn't even ask mom or dad. I guess she just kind of assumed that, yes, we'd be doing that, which is fine, but we've had some conversations about things like this. Okay, so we can take a picture and put a picture in here, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about non-linguistic representation, which means drawing, a strategy Robert Marzano says is really good, so whether you teach calculus or kindergarten, your kids can draw pictures about what they're studying. And then you're going to be able to say add sound. And this is what's so exciting because we haven't been able to do this before, to have kids record their voice and put it in the book. Now, I'm mirroring my iPad right now. What's your first name? Christy. Thanks to Christy. Do you all know Christy's my savior today? <laughs> if I was more self-confident in my singing skills, I would sing her a thank you song. She, she brought her Verizon jetpack. I'm wirelessly connected. 
And just because of the way that the mirroring works, it's going to stop mirroring when I do this. Now I'm going to tap this button to say start recording. Hi, this is Wes. And I really thought it was going to stop showing on the screen, but it's not. There he goes. Uh, this is an example of how I can record my voice. All right. So I'm going to hit stop and say yes. And we'll see if it's going to go back. And if it doesn't, we are going to make it go back to mirroring. Um, one of the things that I really like about the iPad is not being tethered right here to the computer. Being able to be around the room, because you know what? If something's going on back here, it really helps me be right back here and be able to see what you're doing, rather than just being you know, tied to where the computer is. Okay, so now I can move this little guy wherever I want. I can make it bigger, but when I tap on it, it's going to start recording. Hi, this is Wes. And I really thought it was going to stop showing on the screen, but it's not. There he goes. Uh, this is an example of how I can record. So I messed up. So I might delete that and do it again, but that's it, okay? That's what I showed Mrs. Moore. And I said, here's an iPad mini. Keep this spring break. Play with it. I'll be glad to come back after spring break and help out and come to class. And you know what? She didn't call me. So I didn't know what was going on. But then Rachel said, we're making ebooks in class. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're all talking about our favorite book, and we're making an ebook about our favorite books. And so, over the course of several weeks, Mrs. Moore and her students created this ebook. And I'll show you today where the, the link is to this. And I'll flip to it, and what each page is, is a picture of the student's artwork, text that they wrote and that they edited, and then audio. And I won't play all of these because there's, I think, 21 kids in the class. This is a picture of Jack climbing up the beanstalk. He is looking at his house. His mom and cat are looking at him. If you look closely, his mom is waving at him. Alright, so there's Jack. We'll go to the next one. The caterpillar was so hungry that it ate a lot of food. The next day it was fat. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tap down here and show you two more. I'm going to go to Rachel's, because of course Dad's proud of Rachel's, and she is a pretty remarkable artist. If you know Bear Stores on, that's a pretty good bear, and that's a pretty good badger. This is a picture of my two favorite characters from Bear Snores On, Badger and Hare. Mouse is crawling down on the ground, and Bear is sleeping. All of the animals are having a party in Bear's den without Bear, knowing it. Bear just snores on. And I'm also going to go to the next to the last page and play this one. Rumble is a mascot for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He does many funny tricks on the fence. Rumble was named mascot on February 12, 2009. He was named after the sound Thunder makes. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start a little timer because I like to do turn, pair, and share things. And there's a, there are different apps and websites. We'll use a different uh, website too. Um, this one's just called Timer Plus, and it's free. Um, I like it because you can have different sounds on it. So instead of the elephant sound, we're going to the charge. So when you hear charge, you'll know it's time to stop talking to your neighbor and pay attention to me. And I'm going to say start. What is what I want you to do? Talk to your neighbor about that project. Technology aside, 
What was good about the project? Before we even talk about ebook and that stuff, what's good about a project where kids are talking about their favorite books and, and sharing that? And then also talk about the technology. What was beneficial about them being able to do it the way that they did with one iPad that the teacher had? Okay, got your assignment? You can repeat it for me. What was good? What was good? Technology aside, and then with technology. You have two minutes. Please talk to your neighbor. Go. <laughs> And it does keep going off until we push the button. What was good about this? Technology aside, what's good about this project? Well, kids were being able to be creative. We were giving kids a chance to be creative, which we don't always do, right? Because right? it's easier to say, here, I want you all to do this. It's going to look the same. It's messier whenever we give kids choices. So we, we let them be creative. And in fact, that's inherently good. I believe you and I as human beings were designed and created to create, to make stuff. You know, we like to make stuff, and we don't always get opportunities to do it. So that was one good thing about the project. What else, technology aside, was good? Yes? Um, the last child that read, mm -hmm. you know, you could tell that he had some, some issues. But uh, he read with confidence. You could tell he was really proud of what he was doing. Absolutely. Do you know how many times Marcus recorded that? Do you, do you know? You have no idea, do you? How many times could he have done it? We have no idea. As many as he wanted. Now, realistically, there's some limit. And there's a phrase I like called, it's never done, it's just do, you know? So maybe he did it ten times. Or I don't know, maybe he did it once. I'm betting he did it several times. Did he make any mistakes in his reading? Did he stumble? I mean, he wasn't completely fluent like he's on the stage at, you know, doing a Shakespearean play, but he didn't mispronounce any of the words, okay? He didn't put anything extra. What do you think that does for his confidence? Right, because what do we say about public speaking and fear? Like adults fear speaking in public more than deaf? Now, I don't know if that's actually true or not. I ought to find out. But, I mean, even for teachers who teach kids every day, if you say, here, stand up in front of a bunch of adults, it feels different. And for kids, depending on the situation, it can be very scary for them to stand up in front of their class. So for Marcus to be, and everybody, every, every child here. The cat was in the cook eating cake. Everybody read theirs, everyone was successful, and you saw their best foot forward, which kind of gets into the technology a little bit, but that's okay. What else was good about this project? Aside from technology, what was good about it? What was the goal of this project? What you think as a teacher? Why did why did it why did Ms. Moore call this our favorite books? Everybody, yeah, everybody had four Everybody participated, and we wanted everybody to have a part, okay, because this is our project, okay? It's not just Rachel's project or just, you know, the GT kids. This was everybody's project. That's true. What else was a goal of this project, you think? I'm sure everyone's favorite book, I mean, they just love that book. And, I mean, they probably read it and read it and read it and read it and practiced and practiced and practiced. And why is it good for us to share our favorite books? How many of you read something this summer that somebody recommended to you? Did anybody have a recommendation? That's really a lot. How we learn what to read is our friends or people we know say, hey, I read so-and-so. My wife loves Diana Gabaldon. She has big old thick books, but they're sort of a futuristic but medieval kind of sci-fi. It's weird. It's Scottish. There's a really, I'm sure, handsome, strapping guy that 
you know, it's not a movie yet, but she's really hoping it will. But anyway, she learned about that from a friend, and, you know, she tells lots of people about that. Kids learn about books how? Lots of times from friends. So technology aside, whatever grade you teach, getting kids to share books they like and things they enjoy reading with each other is good because peers influence peers. Okay? What else was good about this project? What was the complete writing process? Everybody we didn't just go to the technology and show up saying, Ooh, look, I can touch this iPad. Now I can make this fantastic book. The kids had to do what? They had to pick their book. Then what? They had to summarize it. They had to read it. Yeah, they had to know it, which they probably had done before they started the project. But they had to summarize it, and they might not have thought about that. How can you summarize why you love this book? That's higher order thinking, Right. In, I mean, in some cases, in different, in different. I mean, we have all kinds of things that they did, but most of them picked out a scene that they liked, something they liked, and then what else? They had to draw a picture, right? How many of you, like me, stopped drawing in like before seventh grade or earlier? You just, just kind of stopped drawing. Why do kids stop drawing? Well, they get in trouble because we tell them, what are you doing drawing? You know, you're in school now where we have tended for decades to favor the left side of the brain, the linguistic, sequential, verbal side of the brain. And I want you to take notes that look more like Roman numeral outline. Stop drawing. That's part of it. I think all, anybody have another theory on why kids stop drawing? Does anybody have a child or grandchild who's still drawing? (laughs) Who's still in that... Anybody else have a theory? I mean, why do you think kids stop drawing? Well, some, they kind of lose that. Because I've heard this a lot. I can't draw. And adults will say that, too. Why do we lose our confidence? You go into a class of first graders and, and ask them, hey, you want to draw? And they all say, no, I can't draw. They don't say that. They all know they can draw. And we all can draw right now. But why do we lose that confidence, you think? We start comparing ourselves to people and feeling inadequate, and people start judging us and saying, you can't draw. That looks terrible. (laughs) That's what you can draw, you know, and we lose confidence, and and there's a lot of things we lose confidence with. Math, my daughter, Rachel, right now, who's in fourth grade, we had a conversation last night about math. Dad, do we have to do math? Do we have to do a lot of math? Why do we have to do math? And I'm, we're talking about the things we can do with math. And, but, I mean, I don't want her to have a negative perception about that because what happens? If she says, I can't do math when she's in fourth grade, then guess what? When she gets to middle school and she takes algebra, maybe she's not, you know, feeling confident, successful. Things perpetuate. Okay. There's stuff in this project that's really good. And something that I think made it even more powerful was there is a website called lulu.com. And with Lulu, you can send uh, files, Word files, PDFs. We'll see if my Internet will work here. I bet it will. Um, And you can do what's called a print-on-demand. So I'm going to Google lulu.com. This isn't... Vanity Publishing, where they say, oh, you have to order 200 copies and then figure out how to sell it. No, we wanted 23 copies, and that's what we ordered, and that's what we got. We got 23 copies of the book. So, um, and I'll, I'll bring this up, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat this, and I actually do have 
some business cards that have that has this address. But when you Google the website Mapping Media, I'm kind of proud this hap- this works because there's like a lot of search results. The website I'm going to reference today is first Mapping Media to the Common Core. This is what I've been working on for um, the past year, and I and my ebook is about the first six of these. I'm going to tap the one that says ebook because this is how you can link to this stuff. Every single one of these it says what is it. How might I do it? What are some tools I could use? I don't have an iPad. I got a PC, you know, or I don't, I, I have a Mac or whatever. And here it is, our favorite books. So this is the website um, where we can link to the lulu.com book. Man, and this will be interesting. For some reason, this, this page doesn't come up on my Verizon. And... Um, this won't be a very exciting demo if that page doesn't come up on yours either. I haven't been able to figure out what the what the reason is why that won't come up. All right, so I have a paper copy. Here's what we did. We printed this book, okay? This costs $13 to print in color, but every child's picture is there and their text. And Mrs. Moore wrote a note to each child, and the last day of school after awards, when everybody came together, they played everybody's ebook together, they clapped, and then she handed these out and gave them to each child. Okay? Why was it good to have a paper version, you think? I mean, hey, electronic, that's pretty exciting. What does this not have, by the way, inside? That that's other one did? It doesn't have the voice, which is huge, right? I mean, the voice is a gigantic part of this. But what's good about having this? They can keep that until they're 40 years old. They can keep this as long as they want. If they went to Grandma's house this summer, they could take it and show her. How many of those kids have iPads? I don't know, but they all don't. I guarantee you that. And so having paper, being able to showcase this, and guess why we got 23 copies and there were 21 kids? Because Ms. Moore needed one, and the library needed one, right? Because now... Any student at Quail Creek can go check out this book from the library and read what their classmates created. And I'll pass it around so you can check that out. I tell that story because, number one, I am still learning all the time. And anybody who is not continuing to learn today, um, you know, needs to needs to either keep learning or get out of teaching. <laughs> because it is a joke to think that we went to school for however many years to learn how to teach, and then suddenly you got all you need. Because there's always new stuff coming up. And the other reason I share it is because I think books are like a bridge between generations. There, there are a lot of um, things that are easy for us to do when we talk about technology. The first one is to scare people. Okay? And the second thing is to overwhelm people. Does anyone here feel overwhelmed with technology? I am overwhelmed already, and sometimes I can be scared too. And unfortunately, there's all kinds of stuff going on education policy-wise. It's all fear-based. It's about totally stupid and ridiculous ideas like let's give all our schools grades. Okay, like we'd ever do that to a church. Hey, your church is an F. You know, you suck. By the way, I was just in Montana last week, and guess what? Every single school district in the state of Montana is now failing, according to No Child Left Behind. But that's how the program was designed. It was designed to discredit public schools and to prove that they all are horrible so that we can invite corporate America to come take over our schools. I'm not going to say more about that. I feel fairly strong about it. But 
I think we need to win hearts and minds for using technology, and books can help us do this. Ms. Moore didn't need to go to any of our third grade parents and, and explain, hey, we're making a wiki, what's that? Hey, we're doing a blog. And parents were like, whoa, that's scary. Hey, we're going to put a video on YouTube. Wait a minute, there's bad stuff on YouTube. She didn't have to have any of those conversations. She said, we're making a book. Can we have permission to record your child's voice and share their work online? Yeah, let's go for that, right? Because you don't see anybody's picture here. Their names are in here. But it was, I feel like it's one of the, the biggest successes I've had. And I've, I've failed so many times trying to share stuff that that's why I start with that. Okay? Because that's something we can do. Your school could, could buy an iPad or one of you could buy an iPad and it's possible to make. You don't have to have an iPad. But let's talk about some of this stuff. Uh, does anybody else like magic? Anybody grow up with Star Wars? Like, I grew up, I'll gate myself. I grew up in, a, I was born in 1970. Star Wars came out in 1977, okay? I saw it 12 times at the movie theater. It was really flickery and kind of bad. You remember how movies get, like, before they were digital? You know, as you watch them over and over and over again in the theater? Okay, I can remember as a child trying to use the force and wishing. You know, have you seen that video where that kid, uh, it's like a, like a Mercedes ad or something like that, isn't it? Where he's like trying to, he's got a Darth Vader mask and he's like trying to use it and his dad starts it or whatever. That's priceless. So Arthur C. Clarke, this is a quotation from him. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Now the truth is this iPhone is not magic, Right? It's technology. Engineers and really, really smart people designed it and then had a bunch of folks in China make it real cheap, okay? Or at least cheaper. It's still not that cheap. But it does seem like magic. Is it Christy? Is that right? Okay, Christy had this little box. Do you keep this in your purse? Or no, I brought it so I could listen to Pandora when I was working Okay, so wherever she stores it, whether it's purse, pocket, car, you know, this little box is connecting us to the Internet faster than I can at any school I go to pretty much now in Oklahoma. The 4G LTE network in the last year, few months, it depends where you live and what you're on, like T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon. That's unbelievable. That's magical right there. It's not magic, but it seems like magic to me. So today, and we are going to take a break, um, we're going to talk about a few things, and then I want to make some, some projects. And I know it's kind of crowded in here, and we're going to have to kind of we'll, we'll work through this, but um, we're going to do something practical that would, well, you would use a smartphone recorder. Does anybody have a smartphone with them that can make a video? Does anybody have a device that can record video? A few folks do, okay? So we're going to pair up and partner up, and we'll practice this, and we'll share. Because that's a lot how we're going to have to make technology projects until all our kids have a device. We're going one-to-one. Everybody at some point is going to have a device, but it might not be this year. It might be in a few years. It depends on things like our superintendent and our school board and vision and where people put their money. So here are the three things I want to talk about. First, I want to challenge your ideas about school and learning. Second, I hope to inspire you to do some magic with technology. And third of all, I hope to persuade you to radically create and share. And I'm not saying recklessly or dangerously, but I am saying radically. Because one of the other things I've learned very clearly in the last year is that as teachers, we are really scared to share stuff online. We believe we're going to be judged 
Okay, because our kids might misspell a word. In fact, they will misspell words if we let them type stuff and share it online. And we're scared. And there was a teacher, Amy Payton, first grade teacher in Twin Falls, uh, or Twin Bridges, Montana. And I, I was just met her face to face last week at this Montana conference. And Amy said the breakthrough for her last semester, we did a seven-part course um, together that I taught from my living room in, in Oklahoma City out to Montana. She said, it's not about me. This isn't about me. It's just not about me looking good. It's not about me being fearful. It's about my kids. And it's about empowering my kids to discover their voice, the power of words, and how they can use these tools to become better communicators and to be prepared for today, not just for tomorrow. So, challenge. Hold your smartphone up if you have it. (laughs) Okay, does anybody have one? What would you say is the percent of your kids, and I know it's not everybody, but what percent of kids in your class do you think have access to some kind of smartphone or iPad or tablet or something? Is it, is it over 25%? Maybe 80? High school teachers? It's going to be higher? Have you priced the old devices, by the way? When you come to Oklahoma City, go next time you have time, if you make time, there's a place called CDR Electronics. Have you heard of this before? It's on the south side. It's on South 240 and Penn. CDR, like compact disc recorder. They sell every kind of used iPhone, Android, you know, uh, phone. They sell laptops. I bought this MacBook Air because I had to give mine up that that UConn let me use for the last year and a half, and I bought that for nine hundred and fifty dollars. That's a two thousand dollar laptop, and it's uh, two years old. So anyway, not everybody has one, right? But more and more people do. And what's it like? It's like a magic wand. What can we do with this device? Some pretty amazing things. I want you to turn to your neighbor and bless you. And I'm going to uh, start a little timer. And what I want, these, these are my girls at Halloween a couple years ago. Um, why do you think kids, and, and I would say many adults too, find magic so compelling? The Harry Potter series, thinking of, I mean, the force is kind of magic, but why do, why do kids like magic? Why do many adults like to read stories about magic? What is it about it that we like? Okay? Talk to your neighbor, please. I'll give you a minute. Okay, this is another little small thing, but it might be helpful to you. It's the website just online-stopwatch.com. Okay? You don't have to have any smart board software or anything special. You just go to this website. I like to click use it full screen. Do you want to count up or count down? I want to count down. How much time do I want to give people? 60 seconds. Go. And it's a bell. Okay? So that's a helpful website. I use that all the time. What do you think? Why is magic compelling? You guys were saying escape, right? Escape from reality. Why do we want to escape reality? Because sometimes reality sucks. <laughs> you know? Sometimes I'm not in a great place and I'm not in a great situation. So being able to transport to other places. I mean, have you all had any snow days lately? We, we had a sleet day last year. And I'm a, somebody was just telling me yesterday, they're a little worried about this winter because how bizarre has the weather been? Yeah. May was bizarre, you know, with all the storms and tornadoes that were just crazy. Did you all have any of those that came close here? 
Yeah. Y'all were in the safe room that day. So, and then all this rain and humidity. I don't know what it's going to take. But, I mean, does anyone get bored on a snow day anymore? I mean, usually you could go out and, like, play in the snow. But what do folks have either at their house or their friend's house now to escape reality, to get to that point? What do, what do folks have that they hook to their televisions? Video games, Xboxes, and Wiis, and Playstations. What else? DVDs, right? <laughs> I don't know if I can actually... Well, this will be a little quick test of our Verizon. Have you seen this... Um, I don't know. I, I could have downloaded it. Have you seen this blockbuster offers glimpse of movie renting past? This is going to be a, a YouTube test of this little Verizon card. I think it's going to be okay. Ah, shoot. We're going to skip the ad in one second. There we go. Thank you. in Auburn Hills, Michigan, is showing visitors the difficulties life held for Americans in the past. Blockbuster Video aims to transport visitors to a of a video store, a specialty shop where customers exchange money for the short-term use of videos in an archaic system called renting. The tour is amazing. It's like stepping into a time machine. It's hard to believe that people live this way. A historical research team spent three years making sure every last detail was accurate, from the signs used to promote the store's merchandise to the costumes worn by the store's employees. Historical performers who make history come alive were tour groups twice an hour. My character is based on an actual blockbuster employee named Jerome who worked there from May of 1999 to June 2000. My main responsibilities are to man the cash register and to put the movies from the return slot back onto the shelves. I am a blockbuster customer named Kathy. Two times a week, I travel six miles to rent and return videos. Oh, look, we're in the comedy section. What's so poignant about this time is the uncertainty. When you get to the blockbuster, are they going to have your video? Did someone else rent it? Is there going to be a line? Are there lines? Actors say their job is to create a historically authentic experience. Yes, we have it, but our only copy is currently checked out. After the organized tour, visitors are allowed to move around the store, exploring the so-called living museum. It's really amazing that people had to go through so much just to get a movie. Blockbuster joins a growing number of historical tourism sites, including Buffalo, New York's recreation of Virgin Records Music Store and Iowa City's Borders Bookstore Museum. <laughs> So those are pretty funny. That uh, that was the onion, and they did that. Um, okay, escape. And my point is, it's hard to get bored today on a snow day. I mean, I've noticed if left to their own devices, my kids will stay on their devices because if they have a device or they can use mom or dad's device, there's all these games. I mean, do you remember games you played growing up, the video games you had access to? Have you seen an Xbox 360 lately? I mean, it's unbelievable. Why else is magic compelling? The unknown. The unknown, the invitation of, you know, what we can explore and what we can do. How about power? Anybody want to be powerful? Anybody's kids want to be powerful? 
We can be incredibly powerful with the devices in our hands in both good ways and bad ways. I am sure that someone in Duncan, Oklahoma has had some kind of experience with text bullying, right? And what does that feel like when on your device that becomes like part of you as a child, the text message you receive is, I hate you. You're so ugly. I hope you die. Why did you ever move to our school? You are worthless. Does this happen? Words are so powerful. Now, this can also be the reverse. My son is a young man of few words, and he's turned 16 in November. I don't have this on my phone right now, but I did save it because a while back we had a text exchange and he said, I love you, Dad. Now, I don't know about you, but my dad wasn't the kind of dad who said that a lot. He loved me, and he let me know he loves me. In fact, we go play golf together. He tells me he loves me when we do that. We go watch football together, you know. But he didn't say it. But it makes a difference when you say the words. So kids want to be powerful. Magic is fun. There's the unknown. There's the escape. There's all kinds of reasons. And I took this picture on a Saturday morning a few years ago in 2010. And I said, the substitute for Saturday morning cartoons. Do you remember Saturday morning cartoons? Do you remember it was a big deal? And I'm dating myself here because some of you are like, what are you talking about? You know, you know, they've got like 12 new teachers in Duncan Wright this year. So some of you may be like, I didn't really do Saturday morning cartoons. I don't know what year that happened. But um, I do, okay? <laughs> However, when I took this picture this year, I realized they couldn't just have one device because what do they have? <laughs> they've all got two. So even when we think about school and one-to-one, which means one device for every child, right now as adults, many of us are two-to-one. If we have a computer, laptop, desktop, we've also got some kind of a smartphone. And I find myself, like this morning, three-to-one, phone, iPad, laptop. In 2011, the iPad 2 came out, and it is equal in processing power to the Cray supercomputer, which until the early 1990s, 92 or 93, was the world's fastest computer. And that iPad 2 is now old technology. In fact, my kids, especially my youngest, but when she's in college, because she's going to college, right? We start talking to kids early about going to college. She's going to laugh. Dad, (laughs) that's what you used? That was your phone? You know, that was your device? How many of us have heard of Google Glass before? Have you read articles or heard about Google Glass? So I've been to a lot of technology conferences. I started teaching in the mid-90s in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm from the Chisholm Trail before you say, wait a minute, what school you go to? Um, I grew up Air Force family, so my dad moved around. So Kansas, where I grew up. You know, Lubbock, Texas, Oklahoma for the last eight years. We're Okies, all right? I've been to a lot of conferences, and I've heard, you know, presenters say, in the future, we're going to have da-da-da. And you're like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. But people have Google Glass today. Cost $1,500. You had to go to Mountain View to pick it up, um, or you had to go to New York City. And this is the short 60-second introduction to it. This is your touchpad. It runs from your temple to your ear. Tap the touchpad to wake up glass. You should see the display above your line of sight. Adjust it to see everything. The home screen shows a clock. This is your timeline. It's a row of cards. 
Things to the left are happening now or coming up, like the weather, an upcoming flight, or an event in your calendar. You can tap on any card to see more. Swipe down anywhere to go back to the timeline. Cards to the right of the home screen are from the past. For example, messages, videos, or photos. Tap on a photo to share it and choose one of your friends. Swipe down to go back to standby. And have fun exploring. Turn to your neighbor and take 60 seconds and talk about whether this will be banned in your class or possibly in your school, okay? And why? You have 60 seconds. Go. Okay. Why might this be banned in some people's classes or some schools? Cheating. Cheating. They're going to be able to cheat and get answers. Why else? That's right. We're protecting them. It's for their own good, right? Well, I mean, they're looking at that instead of paying attention. I mean, they may be looking right at you, but... Distraction. You have no idea what they're doing. And traditionally in school, the main or only way to really get new information was to listen to the teacher. And so what we think of as the student's role is to sit quietly along with everybody else and studiously take notes and not look or think about anything else. In fact, we've had professors at UCO in the College of Education in Edmond who have asked the technology department to install mirrors in the back of the classroom. Why? So they can tell when kids are Facebooking through class because that professor wants to shut down those students. You turn that Facebook off right now, young lady, because you're supposed to pay attention to me. All right? And, and it is highly distractible to have something like that right in front of you, definitely. Why else? Can you think of anything inappropriate that a student might be able to... How could you monitor what they were doing on it? Yeah, how could I tell? Because I'm not going to be able to see their laptop screen or even their smartphone screen. It's in front of their eye. Okay, can you think of anything inappropriate that could be done with that? What? (laughs) Go into the locker room... You know, take a video, high-definition 720p video. Well, but let me ask you this. Do your kids have anything now in their pocket that they could make a bad choice with? Absolutely. So a big part of our challenge as teachers, parents, or you name the hat, is to help kids navigate the world of choices, right? How hard did it used to be to see porn in Velma, Oklahoma? Was it hard? I don't know. That's probably an interesting question to explore. But I would wager it's easier today than it ever has been before. What kind of choices do you want to make? What are you going to do with the screens that you have, with the camera you have? It's about choices. So let me show you this. My name is Andrew Van Heuvel. I'm a physics teacher from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Through college, I was embarrassed to tell people that I wanted to be an astronaut. It's like I want to be a princess who rides horses while being a police officer. It's just like ridiculous. I found my passion in teaching. Can you say conservation of angular momentum? I'm what you call a non-traditional teacher. I teach primarily online for students whose schools can't offer advanced physics courses. 
be a glass explorer means I get to tie together all the things that are most engaging about learning. You know, making every moment a teachable moment. The first thing I'm thinking to do with glass is take students with me on a virtual field trip as I go to CERN in Switzerland. we live in a rapid time of change um, you know the hotel in Duncan was full last night do you know why why was the why was the hotel full why why are like why is it hard in a lot of western Oklahoma towns and panhandle Texas towns to to get a hotel room? why are they paying $15 an hour for McDonald's workers in Odessa Texas because why is that why What's going on? There's an oil boom on. Huh, interesting. I didn't think our education budget had felt that yet. <laughs> it hasn't made it that far yet. But hopefully it's coming. Um, what's driving the oil boom right now? Is that a relevant question in our communities? Exploration, come on, keep going with that. What's going on? What's happened? New technology, what's what's going on? What have we what have they done? Yep. What's the technology? It's pretty much driving the whole boom. Right now they're laying more pipeline in the state of North Dakota. There was a National Geographic article about this a couple weeks ago to like go around the entire planet. And that's just gonna be the oil pipelines in North Dakota. What's going on? What's the technology? Is this going to affect your kids? Do you have any students at all that are going to be affected by this? What's the technology? What's driven this? Starts with an F. Fracking! That's right! You know, there's a guy who's a dad in our scout troop who is involved in supervising the fracking stuff from Oklahoma City. And he was talking about how they, this was a few months ago, used the video cameras and the ways that they're driving the... Um, the pipes, you know, not just you know vertically and down, but you know all these ways. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I've never seen that. I wouldn't have heard about that if he hadn't shared that. But technology is a huge driver. How many of your kids know about fracking? How many of your kids know about petroleum engineering? Do you know how much you can make today 
being just a land speculator and working for them? Do you? And I mean, some of your kids probably know that acutely. Do any of your kids have plans to go do that? Do they have plans what they're going to do when hydrogen suddenly becomes something we can produce from solar and wind and geothermal? What's their backup plan if the oil bubble busts? Hmm. These are things to think about, right? Has anybody done a virtual field trip out to the oil patch? Anybody done that? Why not? Because it's not in the common core. It's not in the curriculum. Wait a minute. It's not? Hmm. I bet there's some really good writing that kids could do about that kind of project. I bet there's some really good higher order thinking. You might not be able to take Google Glass and have Wi-Fi, but I don't know. Christy brought her magical box today. Maybe there would be Wi-Fi to be able to do that, or a cellular connection. Is, is that something that you, you all could do right here? Could you have students connect with... Is anybody drilling around here? Yeah. Yeah. Are we helping kids learn about that? We ought to. Why? Folks, we're here not just to do what the State Department of Ed or what the federal government says. We are, these are your kids, right? They are in your community. You may even be teaching your children and your grandchildren. And with Common Core, there are ways that we can link a lot of very compelling projects that are very relevant to kids' futures. We can get them to do stuff. Um, there's a project now called Skype in the Classroom. And did you notice what class uh, that teacher was connecting to from Michigan? What, what was he connecting to? He said, we'll try to get whose class? My brother's class. Ooh, thank, fortunate brother, right? Skype in the classroom is connecting kids to people all over the world. And literally today, when I go home to Oklahoma City, I'm going to drive to my wife's class because she just started school last Thursday with her kids. And we're going to test Skype in her classroom. Why? Because tomorrow I fly to Chicago. And I don't think any of the children in her class have been to Chicago. Maybe they have, but I'm not sure. And I'm thinking, I'm going to ask them, like we'll bring up Lake Michigan, and we'll bring up, it used to be called the Sears Tower, it's called something else now. It's the tallest building. I'll say, where do you want me to Skype you from tomorrow afternoon? Because you know what? This device will connect to the Internet faster than they can at school, faster than I can at home, and I can Skype from this device over to them. We need to help kids make connections. And we live in fast-changing times. And it's really, really hard. But that's why we've all got to be learners. And that's why we want to connect with each other. Because the only way we can, we can keep learning is to be connected. It is not fair for people to write articles and be on the news and say, don't our schools... I don't know, is suck a bad word to use in a professional development setting? Are our schools horrible? Are our schools terrible? They haven't changed at all. They're just, they're, they're, it's just the same. And, and therefore, you know, corporate America, come on in, take over our schools. Um, that's not fair. Because there are many ways that we have moved a long way from this. But, this is what we all grew up with, Right? Every one of us, I'm sure, had some math teachers that said, here's the problem, I'm going to work it for you, we're doing chapter 3 odd, go. <laughs> right? 
And that's really not very good teaching, but that is the way we've grown up with a lot of instruction, and honestly, that's the easiest way to teach. Okay? If I'm really not interested in helping you learn, I can say things like here. Everyone turn to page 13. I don't care what you learned on page 5, but we're on page 13, and that's what I want you to be on. Technology gives us opportunities to do a lot of things. One of the things is to let kids learn at a different pace, right? Because every single person in this room is at a different place with their learning, whether it's with technology or math or anything else, your kids are too. And it can also let kids publish and share things. So the question is, how are we responding? I've not really pronounced this guy's name a lot, but he's a philosopher, Santiana, San. Santayana? I don't know. Does anybody know? I didn't study this guy in school. He defines a fanatic as someone who redoubles efforts after forgetting her aim. And we're kind of like that in school today. I think folks have forgotten our purpose and why we're here. And, you know, so we're just saying harder and harder, faster and faster. Winston Churchill, who has a lot of great quotations as well, says, A fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. And don't you love this dog? Look at its tail. Okay, it is way between its legs. That dog is not moving. Okay, do you know anybody like that when it comes to technology and new stuff in the classroom? I'm not changing, baby. Okay, I'm sticking with what I got. Here's a quotation from 1677. Sir William Berkeley said, Thank God there are no free schools or printing, for learning has brought disobedience and hearsay into the world, and printing has divulged them. God keep us from both. <laughs> to a large extent, the educational system we had, we have, was designed for what? For compliance, for respect for authority, for everyone's going to do the same thing at the same time because what? We were all going to factory jobs where there was going to be a bell at lunch and you were going to have 30 minutes to eat and then the bell was going to ring and you're going to go back to your job where you did a repeated task over and over again that we didn't really have to train you for anymore and then you were going to go home and come back and do it again. Right? There are still some people who do that. But a lot of the jobs that we do today aren't that repetitive, same thing day in, day out low-skill earning and, and low-wage low, low jobs. Why would somebody want to attend Hogwarts? We won't turn parent share, just blurt it out. Why, if Hogwarts was real, okay, if it was a real school, why would some people in this room want to go? Why are there kids in your classroom that would want to go? They have fun. They're going to have fun. What else? Magic. That stuff we were talking about. It's going to offer escapes. It's going to offer power. What else? Do you remember Umbridge? I'm giving you a quiz here. You didn't know you were going to have a Harry Potter quiz. This is book five, all right? And Umbridge was the woman in pink. My favorite scene of all the movies is when Fred and George blast out of the testing thing, you know, and their brooms, and they have all the fireworks. It's awesome. What did Umbridge prohibit? By the way, what was her job? She was defense against the dark arts. And what did Umbridge prevent the um, students from doing? Practicing magic doing magic. What did they want to do? They wanted to do it. They didn't want to just talk about it. They wanted to do it. So Harry formed Dumbledore's army and they had to meet in secret and they had to do this stuff. But probably a lot of kids would want to go to Hogwarts because they would get to do stuff. We need kids to do stuff. All right. We don't need to just sit and talk about things. We're going to talk about things, but we need to do things. So what are some stuff we can do with technology? Shoot, you know what? Oh, I guess I did bring it. Who's heard of augmented reality? 
Have, have any of you heard of this before? So <laughs> this really does kind of come down to like a magic trick. Uh, it, it looks a lot like a magic trick. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open up on my iPad, maybe, if I can find it. Yeah. I'm going to open up this picture of this dragon, okay? And I'm going to jump out of my keynote. We're going to cross our fingers and hold our head just right. And if I'm still on my wireless, hopefully I can turn on my iPhone mirroring. Dun, da, da. Yay, it works. And I'm going to open up an app called Colar for colored AR. And this is just one example of augmented reality. Um, augmented reality, I don't know, well, it's better to show it than, than just tell you what it is. So I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to ask you to um, help me define what it is. Okay? I'm going to hold my camera over this picture. And sometimes I have to wait a minute. I need to make sure that it's completely... Um, over the whole thing. And so now what's going on? The picture came to life. Okay? And now I'm going to feel like I'm selling a Ginsu knife. But there's more! Okay? <laughs> because what I'm going to do now is that's a PDF file that you can print out and all your kids can color on. Okay? Here's the one that I colored. So what's going to be different about this one I colored? Now, I did color this on the, the app brushes. But you can color this yourself with pencils and paper. What's different? What happened? Right, because well, how is it different? It took the colors. All right? And this is called augmented reality. And so... That is an app called Colar, and there are free drawing pages that you can download. The app is free. This dragon, I think I paid um, a dollar. I paid a dollar ninety nine, I think, for maybe four other ones. They have one that's a shoe, and my wife did that as one of her first class activities. In fact, I took pictures. So I was in her class yesterday. I need to get rid of some of my pictures. Okay. Here's one of the shoes that her kids did. And when you hold the app over the shoe, guess what? It spins around, it jumps. All our kids design their own shoes. And then they use the Colar app to see this in 3D. Does that seem like magic? Yes, it does. Um, but that's called augmented reality. So how would you define augmented reality? What is augmented reality? What did we just, what did we just see? What, what is that? We bring things to life. What else? It's a mix of virtual and real. So there's all. This is very new. I learned about this this summer. How did I learn about it? From Twitter, from from connecting with other teachers, and then I was at a conference where somebody showed that. And this is going to mean things like if you want to make a game, or maybe this is something that somebody in Velma or Duncan will do. You could make a game. And it could use your smartphone, and when you get to these GPS coordinates, suddenly you're going to see the dragon come down and say, and your next challenge will be. And so, you know, 
And then what about this with Google Glass? Right? You're going to have that on your glasses and you're going to be able to see. So that was the demo there. Um, the website to know if you want to jot it down. And all of these slides, by the way, are available. Um, I'm going to email them to Leslie. I'll share a link to, with her so you all can link to these two. Um, Brad Wade and Drew Minock are Michigan teachers. Coincidentally, we've got a couple Michigan <laughs> connections going here. And their website is Two Guys and Some iPads. They're elementary teachers, and they do all kinds of crazy, amazing stuff with augmented reality. Now, by the way, I don't think our job as teachers is to entertain. This is kind of the magic show part of the presentation right now. Have you tried to do that for six, eight hours a day with students? You can't do that, right? We can't just be up here dazzling students. We need to engage them in work. And so, but that's kind of cool. And it can also open up. We can do a lot of things with that, right? We could write about that. We could, you know, there's other things you can do with AR beyond this. Here's what it takes. You need, uh, in this case, for this particular app, some kind of iOS device. So I use my iPhone, but you could use an iPod Touch. It could be used. It needs to have a camera on it to be able to take the picture. And you download this free app, which is colarapp.com. And then you get a printed page. Now, I have that on my iPad that I scanned, but you can print the PDF file, and your kids can, can color those, and then um, you can scan it. I was using Air Server on my laptop. That's how I was mirroring to be able to show that. Air Server costs $12. And you can put it on a Windows computer or a Mac computer, but it's going to be on your wireless network. Um, and so, anyway, that's the workflow of what that took. Are you creating experiences for kids that are impossible to remember or impossible to forget? You can probably think of teachers that you had in high school or college, and you can't remember much of anything from what happened in that class. Every day we're not going to be able to do some amazing augmented reality project or some science fair project, but what are the projects you remember from school? Why do you remember those things? In fact, I want you to take uh, about 45 seconds and turn to your neighbor. Tell them a project you remember from high school. A memory that you have of learning something from a particular class. Tell your neighbor about what that was. Go. Okay. Somebody share real quick. What's something you remember from high school? A lesson. What would you do? You got nothing? Come on, you guys got stuff. I heard you talking. Some of you do. It might be something from the sports team. It might not be from the classroom. What, what do you remember? Uh, my history teacher in high school had, had our, our class interview veterans for awards. Yes. So I, I interviewed a World War II Wow. Wow. An oral history project where you interviewed someone about their life experience. And did you then write a report that you turned in and share about that? Okay. What else? Somebody else remember something? You made ice cream in chemistry. Did you get to eat it? How did it taste? Pretty good. Okay. Coaches know what I'm about to say better than anybody probably. We remember what we do. And this is John Dewey, okay? Like I got this doctorate and everything and studied all these years. That's one of the things I got out of it. We learn what we do. Coaches, do you just teach them on the chalkboard? Here, guys, we're just going to talk about this and, you know, you guys don't need to practice. 
No, we got to go do it. We got to run the plays. You got to go through the procedures. We got to work together. We remember what we do. So one of the challenges I want to give to you this year is more than you have before. Get your kids doing things. Not just talking about things, not just hearing things, but doing things. And technology can play a role in that. Because I believe we want kids to do things that are impossible to forget. And what's your first name? Scott. So Scott is not forgetting his World War II interview experience. I interviewed when I was in sixth grade in Manhattan, Kansas, the guy who was our crossing guard. And I had no idea what Anzio Beach is. I didn't even know about an Italian front. I'd heard about D-Day, because if you grow up in Kansas, you learn about Dwight Eisenhower, and you go to Abilene, Kansas, where the Eisenhower Museum is, and you learn about Operation Overlord, and you learn about some of that stuff, okay? But my neighbor was not in Operation Overlord. He was on Anzio Beach, and he told the stories about what that was like, storming that beach, and going into Italy, and going into Rome, and taking down Mussolini, I will never forget that. We're not going to be able to do that all the time, but we can do it some, and that's a challenge that I have for you. Okay, my second magic trick, Touch Retouch. This is an app for Android or for Mac. Has anybody used this app? This is pretty, this is pretty cool. Do you ever take a picture where you would like to take something out? Have you ever had that happen before? Okay, now this might be practical where you've taken a picture and you need to take a student out, all right? This app is called Touch Retouch. And what you do is, and this is Android or iOS, I think this is a $2 app, maybe it's $3. You're going to select the picture that you want to take something out of. And so here's a picture, and I choose what size, I'll do the medium. You choose the picture, and you can pinch with two fingers. And let's say Jeff here, uh, Jeff's mom hasn't given permission for him to have his picture online. So I need to take Jeff out. I'm going to draw around Jeff using my lasso, and I'm going to push the play button. And then it's going to process this image, take whatever is around that picture... Okay, and it didn't do a fantastic job there, but Jeff is now gone, and it kind of depends how well you do with your, your lasso and everything. I actually think this is better to um, do the head cloning trick, and there was a teacher who did this with one of her uh, students and said, look at that, there are so many students, um, are they all siblings? They all look alike. Um, what you can do is, let's, let's say I'm just going to mess with Jeff's head there. I'm going to click on the clone tool, and I'm going to define the um, target area as my face. Okay? Now, I'm going to color. Ah, that didn't work very good. Let's try again. Undo. Oh, okay. This is the target. There's my face, and now I do what I'm going to paint over. And so now, oh, that's a little bit high. Try to get right on my nose and see if that'll work. Okay, you get the idea. <laughs> okay, not perfect, but you can play with that, right? <laughs> 
I should, I, what, do, what do comedians say like when they're after they do a bar trick or something? I feel like that right now. <laughs> Need a little slogan. That's kind of cool. All right, so that's touch retouch. Actually, that's a practical thing that you could use if you need to take a kid out of a picture. What does that take? You need some kind of a smartphone, iOS or Android in this case. The app, which is called Touch Retouch, which I think is $2. And th this is a picture you can see where they took out that building. Okay? They circled that building. They clicked the play button and took it out. Could you do that with expensive software? What software might you use to do that? Photoshop. How much Photoshop costs commercially? $700. Okay, so now with a $3 app, you can do the kind of cloning and, and fancy, um, fancy effects that you would do with a $700 program. Okay, we could do more magic tricks, but what we need to do now is take a break. So I'm going to uh, set a timer for uh, 10, 15 minutes. Let's do a 15-minute break. Uh, my, my watt or clock or whatever says 922. Let's come back in 15 minutes, and then we're going to learn how to build some stuff together. Okay, so last year during testing, I worked with a, a, a first-year geography seventh-grade teacher, Philip Ward in Yukon, and we did a paper slide project. They had been studying Africa, and so we made a rubric that we wanted seven slides, an introduction, background uh, information. Why was this important? <laughs> Do you know what made us realize we were doing a good Common Core lesson? It, what do you think seventh graders might say when you ask them about, like, one of the topics they had was the genocide in Rwanda, okay? Or, and one of them did a part, a group did apartheid. What's challenging about that question? Why is your topic important? What's challenging about that? It, it makes them think. Yeah. It's a higher order thinking question. It makes them think. It's not just right there in the article. We had them say, Mr. Fryer, it's not in the article. This is hard. I don't know how to do this. Where is it? you got to think. We've studied the Rwandan genocide. Now I'm asking you to apply it. And we gave them what we call a storyboard. Here's a fun <laughs> trick I learned. You don't need to go buy something expensive to make a storyboard. I would take an old credit card, not one that's active. But you can simply take a credit card, put it down on a piece of printer paper like we did, and draw right around it and make yourself a storyboard. What do kids do on the storyboard? They plan. What are they going to do? And is this does anything about what we're doing here have to do with the real world, like with movie making? Have you seen extended features? I love Lord of the Rings, and you watch extended feature Lord of the Rings. It's all about the storyboard and the planning and all of that, that kind of stuff. So here is a link to Philip Ward's YouTube channel. So all of his kids were broken into groups. They all um, recorded these videos. We actually did this in testing when the lab was completely booked up. Um, and um, we were able to have enough phones so that students would be able to, to share and record. All right, I've not seen this one. We're going to see what, what happens. It's a minute and 30 seconds. It only has two views. I guess it was shared once in class and one other time. And this is, this is an example. This is called a paper slide video project. The dinner side of the phone by Chloe, Allie, and Abigail, Mr. Ward's 6th hour 7th grade class. 
The farthest a region in Sudan it is the size of France. There are some nomads, some farmers, but they are all Muslims. It is the home to about 6 million people from nearly 100 different tribes. The African nomads were trying to kill the African farmers. When, they, when the African nomads killed the African farmers, they grew them into ditches. It led to the death of over 300,000 people and displaced 3 million more people. It is important to stop this genocide, to make sure Defar is safe. The estimated population of the, if the Defar genocide continues will only be 4.2 million by the next decade. In school, we tend to put people into groups, depending on what they wear, how they act, and their grades. Defar also, like our school, has social classes. The African farmers and nomadic Arab tribes are in conflict, just like the football players and band slash choir people at our school. But these are the sites we use to find the information. Is the conflict in the far still going on? Okay. We could take longer to kind of debrief that project, but I want to wrap up. And... I don't know if I've been successful or not, but let me tell you, it's really hard to influence anybody in any meaningful way the day before kids come back when everybody wants to be in their room, right? But this is, how, this is a lot of the way we do PD. So I want to encourage you to connect and learn beyond today. There's a free conference called the K-12 Online Conference. It happens in October, and they're just videos that are posted online. It's been going on since 2006, and it'll happen in mid-October. We are hopefully going to have an app this year in addition to the website, and we are on iTunes U, and we also now have a YouTube channel. This was one of the videos that Dean Shiresky shared last year. He's going to be a keynote speaker in four weeks at the mobile learning conference in Tucson, you could pay thousands of dollars, and if, if we could arrange it to do out-of-state travel to get to see Dean in person, guess what? You can hear him for free and access this video. It's better to go to the conference. Let me not make a mistake about it. But we don't all get to travel and be able to go places, and this kind of learning can be very, very powerful. I think we're in a battle for hearts and minds. There are people in this room, there are parents that you're going to work with who do not believe we need to use technology. It worked for me and we didn't need to use it. And why do we need to use it now? You've heard it before and you're going to hear it again. How are you going to win hearts and minds so, so we understand, so our board understands it's not good enough to just have pencils and paper. We're failing our kids. My children are in this school. I care about this place. And if I care about it that much, I'm going to do what I can to make sure these kids have the opportunities they need to have. So, please use the discount code VELMA. It's free. Um, I spent a year writing this book. Um, it has a lot more about narrated art, interactive writing, the tools that we've talked about. I believe every single classroom... <laughs> doesn't need technology. What we need are passionate teachers that love kids, that want to help them learn, and will do whatever it takes to help those kids learn. In this book, there are some ideas that I think are pretty good. Why? 
because they're not mine. They're from other people who are smarter than I am, who are doing pretty cool stuff. And it's not just about cool stuff. It's about engaging stuff. So, welcome to Harry Potter Day. Do you have a wand in your pocket? No, but you might have a smartphone, and a lot of your kids will. Let's use them to create. Let's help our kids make things. Whether you've got an Android phone or whatever, you can record video. This year, you can make a paper slide video with your kids. You can do narrated art with your students. And here's my challenge to you. When you do the parent conference, which you know is coming, try and have a little more media than you had last year to show that parent what your student has done. Their voice, reading a poem or an article that they had. A video that you made, a paper slide video. It doesn't have to have the kid's picture in it. But think about how that media can help show that parent what the kid knows and what they can do. Thank you all very much for your time today.